Good morning again, everybody. Glad that you're here. I hope you're glad to be here too. We are going to be where Tiffany said we were in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I invite you to find that this morning as we go through the book of Proverbs. Um, I would encourage you, if you're here and you've got favorite Proverbs, write them down. Uh, there are some of these cards in the back. Send them in through the digital bulletin online, the Sunday page. It's there all week. Um, or I've been having a load of fun reading with other people on the YouVersion Bible app. You can join anytime. Just start today. It's also on the Sunday page. On our website is the easiest way to do that from your phone, probably. Um, we've been talking through the book of Proverbs. We're halfway through as far as the series is concerned. And we've said this already, that, the, that fools put their hope in pride. The wise put their hope in God. And as you can see throughout the book of Proverbs, if you read it, uh, it's all about the wise versus the fool. They're pitted against each other. The wise people do this, the foolish people do that. And so in, in light of that, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the profile of a fool. What does a fool look like? And we'll see that in our text. You see that all throughout the book of Proverbs. And this is just one of those points where it kind of puts together a short list that point out, here's what a fool looks like. And part of the question is, uh, how do you get there? How do you become a fool? We won't conclusively answer that this morning, but I think when you begin to see the foolish behavior and where it leads, you can begin to make choices. That's what we're going to see today. You see, because fool, fools ignore wisdom, and what happens is it takes over their whole selves. Their whole bodies become foolish. Everything they do is foolish, and they become a fool. And how do we avoid that path? That's really what Proverbs sets us up to do, is avoid that path and be wise instead of foolish. And I don't know about you, but when, when you read the Proverbs, I find the most easy and tangible parts, the, the parts for me to receive, the easiest are like those one and two liners, you know, where it says a wise person does this, or it, or it has two pitted against each other. The wise do this, but the foolish do that, or the fools do this, but not so the wise. Those are really easy for us to take in. There's a lot of those throughout Proverbs. That's why Proverbs is so fun to read. But quite often we get to the ones where all of a sudden it's mathematically more than two lines. Uh, and these are sometimes called counting Proverbs or something like that. I'm calling them mathematical Proverbs this morning. A bunch of them in Proverbs 30, the sayings of Augur, is a real interesting passage. One of my favorite uh, parts of Proverbs is, is 30. But we're going to look at one of these counting Proverbs today. Because I, I've, I know I've had a habit when I've been reading the Proverbs that I read these a little too quickly. I read this, this list, and then I move on because those short one and two liners are so easy to kind of mull over. But the lists take a, a second longer to take in. So let's hear Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, where it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And so here we can see the look of a fool. That six things, seven things, how it starts is kind of a poetic way in ancient Hebrew to make a point that this is like a complete list. Although we know it's not complete, it doesn't tell you everything. But like a complete list, it's the simplified version of what a fool looks like. You want to know what a fool is? You found it right here. That's what they're telling us. It's a short list of the worst case scenarios of the path of a fool and where it leads. And you can really easily pick it apart 
because it goes through sort of parts of a body and, and makes it real tangible in that way. So eyes that are prideful. We heard proud eyes, actually, in Tiffany's translation she used this morning. Uh, these are eyes that are looking down on other people. Haughty eyes is what my translation has. You have a tongue that's deliberately deceitful. It's lying tongue. It is deceptive with its words. And here you can see an example. If you look through the rest of Proverbs, you can see all kinds of examples of how people misuse the tongue throughout the, the book. They use it through rumors, right? Sharing information around that may be partial truths or half-truths or no truth at all, but they're sharing it around. You see gossip, gossip all over the place. People sharing information that's not theirs to share and wouldn't be real charitable if the person were standing there as they're sharing it. And of course, just so we make the point right now, as people who follow Jesus Christ, rumors and gossip are not our way, amen? They shouldn't be part of who we are. Slander is another way that we see this throughout the book of Proverbs and, of course, in other parts of Scripture. A public offense that dishonors or shames somebody. And what, what we have to realize is that when it says something like, just to use this as an example, a lying tongue, somebody who's deliberately deceptive in their words... A lying tongue can also misuse the truth in all of this, right? We know that with rumors. Rumors can have a little bit of truth. I'll give you an example of, of how that could happen. This is a funny example. It's not a, a, a bad example. But uh, Garrett and I, over a week ago, were in Colorado representing you all for our uh, annual, uh, the Midwest Conference annual meeting as delegates for the church. And on our way back, uh, we were trying to find a place for dinner um, in kind of the middle of Nebraska. We pulled off where we thought there was a fast food place open. It was 5.45, and they'd closed at 4 that day. They were short-staffed. So the only other place was a race car-themed restaurant that was a sit-down, a little more expensive place. I was cool with that. Uh, Garrett was cool with the burger, but not the race car theme. And so we went in, and I got to tell you, folks, when we were talking to the hostess, Garrett used a fake name. the truth. See, I'm using the truth, but I'm misleading you in that, aren't I? He was totally bantering with the hostess the whole time and gave her a, a name. He's like, what name should I use? He used a couple of fake names that obviously were not his. She knew they weren't his, and it was funny, right? But, but you can misuse the truth quite easily. And what's interesting is if you look at the list, there are six things the Lord does what? Hates. Seven things that are what to him? Detestable. These are big deals that are being pointed out on this list. Hands that unjustly attack the innocent, murder, of course, or less, are hateful in physical terms. And you can see the tongue and the hands, interestingly, together. Both here you have uh, an, an attack that attacks someone's character and attack that attacks someone's person, right? Character of the person and murder of the person or attack on the person. The heart, a heart that, as it says, devises wicked schemes. Now, when we hear heart in a context like this, it really means the whole person, the thing that's making all the decisions for the person, kind of like we use brain and heart together. That's how they're using heart in a sense. It's the whole self, 
If your whole self is going to get ahead and that's your whole goal, you're going to do it at whatever the cost and whatever expense it comes to other people. You'll do it at the expense of others, in fact. You can see how already, just in a couple lines, the fool is demonstrating that their whole self is corrupt and completely self-interested. And I want to point out that uh, success can also put us in this category. When we're successful and we start to think a little bit too highly of ourselves, we can begin to have the haughty eyes and the tongue that maybe doesn't tell the full truth. We need to be watchful of that pathway because this is where it leads. How about the feet? The feet who are ready to just run in and do whatever mischief they can find. And I would say it's not just those with evil intent. That's the worst case scenario. As we see, six things, seven things. That's what it's telling us, the worst case. But can I point out the path of, on this way could lead uh, from those who live in the world as drama queens, always looking for a crisis to live out. It could come from those who are adrenaline junkies, and that's the only way that they uh, kind of feel alive. It can come from those who are so searching for their identity and can't find it that they use others and push others down along the way. Feet who are ready to run into evil like that, who become then prideful along the way. And you can see where this all leads to the whole person. The whole person is a fool. And it gives us two uh, ways that that's hap that happens in verse 19. It's a false witness and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The false witness, you get that total picture of the fool. A fool is someone who does not live truthfully, is what we find. They think they're right, but everybody else can see they're not right, nor, the, nor can they trust them to do anything. They are their own source of truth, and that's it. You can also see, it says the person who's a fool, they're the ones who stir up conflict in the community. Uh, we can call it a couple different things. I have a couple terms here. That's a barn burner. They don't get their way, so they burn down everything. Or a community toxin, those who spread rumors and gossip because things didn't happen the way they wanted or because they're just uh, looking to get ahead, right? That's what gossip, slander, rumor, stoking controversy, misusing gifts, all those things can begin to destroy, whether it's in work, school, or church. And they're all detestable to God, this line says, this passage says. And where we can contrast this is that the wise realize that life is a gift, and it's a good gift that God has given us. The wise realize that even our bodies and our human relationships are good gifts that God has given us, and the wise are inclined to use them well and in God-glorifying ways. But what we see here is that from head to toe, fools exploit and misuse God, what God intended for good. They're perverts. They pervert the goodness of God for their own ends. Let's have a little more fun with this. Let's talk about some ways that Proverbs really defines fools. And so we're going to look at the, there's three Hebrew words, and I'm not even going to, I'm only going to give you one of them because you don't need them. They're not useful to us because none of us speak Hebrew. But there are three ways, uh, three terms for a fool in the book of Proverbs. And then there are two sort of special kinds of fools that we'll look at too very briefly, the uh, mocker or the scoffer, and my favorite, the sluggard at the end. But let's start with just general fools. 
um, and see what Proverbs does with them. The most commonly used word for fool simply means somebody who is unteachable or immovable by persuasion. And so here we can see Proverbs 14.7, for instance, and I'm trying to just keep two Proverbs per, uh, per fool. Uh, it says, stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. Right? They think smart. They're not actually smart. They're not actually wise. It tells us what it means to be a fuel, uh, fool. They're generally useless to anybody but themselves. And you can kind of see then that there's a social effect to being a fool. They think they're wise. Everybody else sees that they're not wise. And so Proverbs 29, 11, for instance, says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. I feel like that first line encapsulates the spirit of our age quite often, doesn't it? Giving full vent to our rage. Where we live in a culture that's constantly speaking my truth. Where we live in a, co- a culture that is constantly resorting to the open letter as our immediate way of communicating with other people rather than communicating with other people first. Where we instantly broadcast it out on social media or otherwise or protest something where we didn't start with actually talking to the person in the first place. Fools give full vent to their rage. The wise are actually going to go and talk first. Second way we run into fool that's just an add-on. Fools are not just unteachable, immovable by persuasion. They're also stubborn. Proverbs 27, 22 says, Though you grind a fool in a mortar... Grinding them like grain with a pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. And here I want to point out a, uh, a psychological tool that I ran into years ago, and I, I know I've used it in the sermon before because I already had the image. It's a thing called Johari's window. It'll pop up here, and we won't spend much time on it other than to say I think it's demonstrative of where fools are versus where the wise are. So there's this, and we'll use me as an example. There's these four quadrants, and if you just look at the top left for you, there are things that I know about myself that you know about me. They're public things, right? Uh, We demonstrated last week that I don't like tomatoes, nor am I good at telling tomato jokes. You know this about me. Um, We, uh, you know that I stand up here and blather on every week, and I'm tall. You know, you know these things about me, right? And I know these things about me. There are things that I know about myself that you wouldn't know, right? That's for everybody. And, and even in your closest relationships, that's always going to happen. Things that I know that my wife doesn't know, some of them are mundane, some are bigger. That's just how it works with every single person. There are things that uh, I don't recognize. Am I using um every third word and nobody's telling me? That kind of thing that you might see, but I, didn't, I don't notice those things. And then there's stuff that only God knows, right? That's just, you don't know, I don't know, but it's there. It's obviously something about me. Just nobody has discovered it or knows it. The reason I bring this up is that the fool is just like this, like anybody else, only when it comes to the the category of the fool, the stuff that the fool doesn't know about themselves, but everybody else can see, we can kind of tell if we're in fool territory if we're really defensive and don't want to receive that information. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but the fool will not take that in. The fool will not change when they hear that information. The fool will always have a reason why they don't need to do anything. They won't even weigh out whether it's right or wrong. It's just obviously not worth listening to. They're unaware. And they're unwilling to change. They're stubborn. 
in their ways. So here's a reminder as we continue to go through Proverbs. If you see yourself in any of the verses where it says fool, take note, right? It might be pointing something out. And if you see something uh, that means your neighbor's a fool, you can elbow them decisively during the sermon. I'm just kidding, don't do that. Proverbs 14.9, speaking of fools who are stubborn, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. And they think this is the biggest danger of being a fool. The biggest danger of being a fool isn't that you're completely unaware or that you're stubborn or that you're immovable or unteachable. It's that you would do those things with God. The biggest danger is that the fool is never wrong, so they've obviously never done anything that would transgress anybody else. They have nothing to apologize for to anybody in this world, but they also don't appear to have anything to apologize for to God. And thus, they become the most genuine kind of fool, the one who rejects God completely. God's very good gift of that relationship that we're designed for, they reject. Finally, the third word that we run into, and this is the one I'll give you because it'll trip something up in some of your minds, I think, uh, for fool, it only happens three times in Proverbs, and I'm not, I'm not even going to give you one of the references because they take a little more to work with. Nabal is the one that we run into for fool. Uh, it, and I'll quote Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner, who I'm indebted to for most of this section. He says, the word Nabal adds little to the picture of a fool except an extra weight of boorishness. How about that for a description? I'll give you one from the Psalms that uses Nabal because I think it does it well. It says, from Psalm 14:1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The, where, the reason I bring it up is because some of you might know that Abigail in the Old Testament was married to Nabal. Abigail was a wonderful woman, but when it describes Nabal, I'll only give you one of the two descriptions in 1 Samuel. It says, he is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. That's a fool. Now to give us two other categories, these are specific kinds of fool, fools. There's the mocker or the scoffer. And if we're going to define this, these are fools with a bad attitude, right? So if you've got people who are unteachable, immovable, stubborn, and just wicked in the course of Nabal, uh, now you have somebody who's got a bad attitude on top of that. All they can see is what's wrong in the world. Proverbs 15, 12, mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. Proverbs twenty two ten: drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. The mockers are the people who come in and they only see that they, they, they're the ankle-biter types, the cynics, who question the intent of everybody around them and only see the problems. They don't care to bring a solution. They only want to see the problems. They want to live on the problems. They want to feed off the problems. They want to make fun of the problems. That's how they have their identity. They'll never be happy. And you can see also the effect of the scoffer or the mocker, just like we saw in verse 19, they're the barn burner types, the toxins in the community. Whether it's work, school, or church, those who are mockers and scoffers just stir up trouble. They never calm it down. Finally, we have 
my favorite category, the sluggard. If we're going to describe the sluggard in one word, lazy. That's what the sluggard is. They are just plain lazy fools. And they're all over Proverbs. You find them. And so I'm going to invite you to Proverbs 26 if you're following along. Um, and I just encourage you to read the whole chapter later. It's my, probably my favorite of all of Proverbs. Um, and as you're getting there, I'll just say this, that my first year of college, my roommate and I had a little, uh, a fun little Proverbs battle, it turns out. He would not wake up for class or for church or anything, despite the fact that I would try and help him sometimes. He was just, uh, just would not get up out of bed on time. And so one night, I remember it was a Saturday night, I uh, wrote Proverbs 26, 14, and wrote it and taped it above his bed and then went to bed and he came in quite late. Uh, which reads, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. And from then on, we kind of just kept writing notes back and forth to each other just for fun. It was all in fun. He's a pastor now, and so am I. Neither of us expected that. Um, I, that one's just such a great one. Proverbs twenty six fourteen. Let's go to 15. It says, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Bonus 17, this is just more of a general fool one, but I'm throwing it in there since we're here. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Sluggards probably wouldn't do this. They're too lazy. This is other fools. And then finally, and this one is kind of general, but relates to sluggards as well. This is just the crowning achievement of, I think, fools in uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Gross but true. Fools, you see, make bad decisions. They make bad decisions that are self-interested, but they think they're going to pay off. They think they're going to be the exception to the rule. And let's face it, there are occasions when somebody who appears foolish makes it through. They make some success. And so I think it's important to point out um, this week in our, our, one of our emails that we sent out from the office, there was a link to a Bible project video overview of the book of Proverbs. Very well done. If you haven't seen it, go back and see it or ask me later and I can connect you with it. But I think one of the really important things it points out is that Proverbs, as we read it, is not giving us promises of the wise and the fool. They're giving us probabilities as they state this. It's more probable that if you act wise, this is what's going to happen. And if you act foolish, this is what's going to happen. But we know that sometimes the fool gets through and the wise ends up having a lot of calamity come their way. It just so happens the fools are going to know how to navigate that, or navigate that worse, and the, and the wise are going to navigate it better. And in the end, it will not pay off for the fool. In the end, they are going to be separated from God because they're that foolish. How do we avoid the path of a fool? I don't have the full answer for that this morning, but I want us to consider the words that we heard at the beginning of the service from Jesus, the parable of the seed sower, uh, the soils, really. I won't reread it. We'll just state a couple things about it. Jesus tells this parable about the sower going out and casting a seed. And as he throws it, you've got seed that lands on the hard-packed ground, seed that lacks, lands in the rocky soil, seed that lands in the thorny areas, and then seed that lands in the good soil. And that when it lands on the rocky ground, if we're going to apply it here to what we're doing in Proverbs, that hard-packed soil is very much the fool's heart. 
It's a heart that's not receptive to anything that God is doing and any work that God could be doing in them or around them. Soil, too, is a receptive soil. It's in the book of Proverbs, it would be someone who's simple. They're going to receive something, but they are not really going to go deep. They're never really going to become wise. Soil three is somebody who, who takes in the word. We're not quite there yet. Takes in the word, uh, but they're growing. But then they're going to be tempted and swayed at some point. And this is where I think it's important to point out that when it comes to the soils, a lot of people who have taken in the word live in soil two and three whether we realize it or not. So I do have a couple questions there. We're, you're ahead of me here. Let's go back to soil two questions. Just to consider if maybe this is where you are or soil three, and then we'll get to soil four. And so these are tests. We had a couple questions a couple weeks ago. Um, these are a couple of the same kind of questions. If we're in that soil two category, that rocky soil perhaps, questions to ask and answer to yourself. Do I only read the parts of the Bible that are encouraging and avoid the parts of the Bible that are tough? And you could add to that, do I only read the New Testament and the Psalms and avoid all the other stuff? Second question in the Soil 2 category. When my faith is challenged, do I lean into cultural answers or biblical answers? That is, does what I consume on my phone or on my TV, whether shows or news, inform my worldview more than scripture. Soil three questions, they're very similar. Am I reliant on my own knowledge as my strength? Been there many times. And do I rely on my accumulated things and money for my hope? That is, am I insulated enough from trouble. In the soil two category, if you find yourself there, one of the problems with a soil two faith is that we don't have a deep enough faith, so even minor problems that come and even minor disturbances that move our way dry us up instantly. Soil three faith, we end up worrying a lot. We put our hope in things more than God. Fancy word for doing that is idolatry. And the thorns, instead of being adversaries, end up being our friends. We give in to the temptation and walk away from God without realizing it sometimes. Proverbs 3, 33 through 35 says, For the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Soil 4 is the good soil that Jesus talks about when we're Planted in that deep, rich soil for it means that we're following Jesus as fully as we can 
It means we're responsive to the work of the Holy Spirit, or at least trying to be. It means that we are connected with the body of believers in a meaningful and important way so that we would grow and be challenged. That we'd call out foolish behavior within that body. It means that we're in His Word regularly and we're praying so as to develop a relationship with the living God as a regular part of our lives. That's being planted in the soil. That's the kind of faith that's going to endure. That's the wise path. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We need to walk with the people who put their hope in the Lord because fools put their hope in pride. Where do the wise put their hope? In God. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful this morning that you've called us to be wise, and it's your Holy Spirit that tills the soil. And we ask, Lord, that you till the soil for those of us that have hard hearts this morning. Break it up. Get in there. Till the soil. For those of us that are in rocky soil, Lord, we pray that you would remove those rocks, that we would thrive and grow through your word and with your people. For those of us that live within the thorns, we pray both that we would be an impact in the world around us, but we would be not lost in it, and that you would clear the way so that we can see you in the storms of this life. When things try and choke us out, that we would not be lost from your presence. And Lord, for that good soil, may you make it richer. May you help us weed the garden. Lord, we don't want to walk out of here foolish. We want to be wiser. Orient our hearts towards you and help us walk that direction. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.